We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. New group. Who dis? Nick Schmidt's not the host anymore. I am now, so I apologize for downgrading in that regard. But here we are. I am Jacob Westendorf for the September 10th. As you guys listen, it is game week. The Green Bay Packers will take on the Minnesota Vikings this Sunday. It is Thursday now. Here's your new Thursday lineup. Every Thursday we will be here, and we're finally together. I think, guys, we've been trying to get this together officially for two weeks, but uh, it hasn't worked out for one reason or another. So here we are finally together again. Of course, I am joined by my usual partner, the lovely and wonderful Maggie Loney. Maggie, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I am well. I'm happy to be here. And then, uh, unfortunately, I am also joined by the vile and disgusting Jimmy Christensen. <laughs> Jimmy, how are you? Dude, right when I heard you say lovely, I was like, oh, I'm going to get the opposite of that. <laughs> I knew you were setting it up. <laughs> well, listen, Maggie, I don't need to compare her to you to get to that point anyways, but I mean, it doesn't help. So maybe that was Andy's idea when he put us together, but that is the point. Guys, I'm happy to be here. I am happy to be back. I don't, gosh, I don't think I've been on this podcast for probably three weeks now. So it is good to be back. I am a newly minted 29 year old. Your guys' last episode aired on my 29th birthday. So that was kind of cool to have as a, a present, if you will. Uh, I am hoping for a late present on Sunday afternoon as the Packers take on the Vikings, as I mentioned. And uh, we got a little bit of information coming in today as the Vikings had some news and there was some speculation as to whether or not Daniel Hunter was going to be able to play. And we got that con confirmed today. Uh, there was some speculation earlier in the afternoon when Eric Kendrick said it was going to be interesting on how to move on from a guy like that or you know to be missing a guy like that. And they've got guys that are hungry, but it wasn't confirmed. Uh, the Vikings placed him on injured reserve today. 
and we're going to talk about the Packers defense against the Vikings offense. But guys, this is a significant uh, piece of news here because the Vikings already, yes, they did trade for Yannick Ngakwe, but he's somebody who held out into nearly September with the Jaguars not trading him and him asking for a trade. So he's kind of going to be on the Khalil Mack type pitch count when he got traded to Chicago, for those of you that remember that. And now you've got Daniil Hunter not playing the Packers with some uncertainty on their offensive line. The Vikings really now with Michael Pierce, their big free agent acquisition, not playing this season, opting out due to the COVID-19 concerns. And you have now Daniil Hunter not playing, being placed on injured reserve due to a, a neck injury is what they're saying is the case. Unclear how long he'll be out, but he'll at least be out on Sunday. Maggie, how significant is this? How big of a deal is this for a Vikings defense that really is they have a lot of inexperience in their secondary. They really rely on that pass rush to kind of cover up some of the, the holes behind in the back end. Yeah, I mean, I think it really hurts. Um, I I think, you know, we'll see Yannick against uh, David Bakhtiari. So I think that this was maybe a benefit to the right side of the Packers offensive line. But I know we're also not here to really talk about um, Packers offense versus Vikings defense. But I mean, I, I do think that that pass rush was, rush was really going to help them out. And, you know, they have a really, really young secondary that should be good when they get to play together. But I think not having the preseason and not having really any live reps beyond a little bit of training camp, there's going to be growing pains. And having Daniil Hunter, you know, in your lineup will kind of would have alleviated some of those growing pains because he can kind of make up for some of the inexperience on the back end of the defense. So to not have that. Yeah. And then, you know, like you said, with Yannick, not really acclimated in the system yet either. It's, it's a big blow for, for that defense. Definitely. This isn't to say that the Vikings don't have other playmakers. Maggie mentioned Yannick Ngakwe. We have Eric Kendricks, obviously on the other side, Mike Hughes, uh, as a former first-round pick, you have Anthony Harris, you have Harrison Smith, you have obviously Green Bay Packer favorite uh, Anthony Barr is on that side as well. I look to see, I wonder if Mike Zimmer will get creative on that side of the ball with his pass rush because Jimmy, I mean, you look behind Daniil Hunter, James Lynch was a fourth-round pick. He was somebody that I really liked, but they have him listed as a defensive tackle. He played end in college but kind of projects more as an inside tweener type you have Ifiati Odenigbo, and I apologize if I butchered that gentleman's name. Jalen Holmes, not exactly a, a stalwart behind Daniil Hunter. They were relying on him to play a lot of snaps. So, I mean, this is a big advantage now that the Packers seem to have really a weakness that Green Bay had was potentially on those edges of the offensive line, and now it looks like that is potentially something at least going into a push or if not in favor of Green Bay on the offensive side of the ball as well. Yeah, it's really – obviously you don't want any player to be injured even if they wear that gross purple, but it's it's nice to have this game, the right side of the line that is kind of in limbo right now, figuring out who's going to be, the as the floor says, the, the most talented people out there. Um, I don't want to say it's a warm-up game, but they'll be going against people who aren't Daniil Hunter, and like you said, they're not really the cream of the crop on the Vikings defense, <clears throat> excuse me, on the right side of the line, so – Hopefully this will uh, one. It's definitely a weight lifted off the shoulders of the def or the offensive line. I'm sure, but also a nice little tune-up game for that side. Guys, real quick, two words or less. Who's the starting right tackle on Sunday for the Packers? I just want to hear a quick prediction. Uh, Jimmy, we'll start with you. Uh, Rick Wagner, Maggie, Elton Jenkins. I think it's Elton Jenkins too, and I. I think that's interesting. So let's move to what our topic is for the day, guys, and that is the Packers defense 
against the Vikings offense. And I want to start. It's again, I think we either keep getting lucky or somebody is in Andy's ear, but anytime we get to talk about Zadarius Smith and Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith, my, my heart just lights up. And I know that the rest of this group is going to be very happy about that as well. But guys, if we talked about single biggest advantages that the Packers had going into last season's games, just rewatching and all the stuff that we've been able to do since quarantine. I know if you guys are anything like I am and you're sick, twisted individuals, just like I am, we've rewatched last season's games a million times since we've been stuck in our houses and everything like that. And especially this week, since the Packers will be taking on the Vikings again, the biggest advantage green Bay had last season was their defensive front against the Vikings offensive line. Well, I hate to break this to Vikings fans listening to this show, if there are any of you. The offensive line hasn't gotten any better. Even worse news for you is I think the Packers' pass rush potentially has gotten better. Reports out of camp are that the Packers believe Kenny Clark has gotten better as a pass rusher. He's already the second most disruptive defensive lineman per just about any measure you can imagine, aside from Aaron Donald. Then you add in Zadarius Smith, all-pro player last year, hashtag snubbed. Preston Smith. Jimmy, our guy here, will tell you why he's underrated here in a moment. My son, my firstborn son, well, thirdborn son, Rashawn Gary, is going to take a leap this season. And then you have guys like Kingsley Kiki potentially taking a jump along that defensive line. And you have other players also potentially. Jonathan Garvin is somebody they really like as a seventh-round pick. And Randy Ramsey is somebody that adds some speed and an element to their defense of something they just don't potentially have. And blitzes they can dial up with Christian Kirksey. I haven't even gotten into that point yet. Go to the other side of the ball. The Vikings couldn't block the Packers last year. What have they added on their offensive line? Well, not a whole lot, uh, to say the, to say the very least. They have the same left tackle. Riley Reef is still there, which is a positive, I guess, if you want to look at it from a continuity standpoint. Garrett Bradbury's still there. He should be better. Brian O'Neill's going to play right tackle. Pat Elfline and Dakota Dozier break up their guards. Ezra Cleveland was a second-round pick. Some people liked him. I wasn't one of them. Maggie... You said this was going to be a short show if I did this, but I'm going to ask you, <laughs> can the Vikings block the Packers defensive line at all? No. I, I mean, like, I feel like we're going to go down the line and, you know, the advantage you, you said earlier that we didn't want to be homers. And I wholeheartedly agree. Like that, that's not what this is about, but I think that this Packers defense will check all of the W columns when you go down the line, starting with the defensive line. You know, I think they're going to be able to generate pressure in a number of ways. So like you said, if Zedarius is getting double teamed, Preston's going to be open. Rashawn, I think, is going to generate a lot more pressure than people are ready um, to give him credit for, or at least expecting. I think that's going to be kind of an immediate impact that we see for the defense. Um, I think Christian Kirksey will be able to cover tight ends a little better than the middle of the defense could last season. And I think that the secondary with Justin Jefferson kind of, you know, growing as a rookie wide receiver advantage, you know, Packers again. So I know we'll break everything down a little bit further, but yeah, it's, it's just really hard on paper to look at these categories and think that the Packers don't have an advantage in every column. And Jimmy, I'll leave Zadarius Smith, obviously to the one who wrote the poem for him and a happy oh, yeah. belated, <laughs> belated birthday to our hero and the captain of our defense, Mr. Zadarius Smith. I didn't realize our birthdays were as close together as they were. So uh, we have the same Zodiac sign. So Z I'd like <laughs> to think somehow that means that we should be friends or something like that. But Jimmy, you've done a lot of work on Preston Smith this offseason, obviously. First of all, I think his sack dance is relatively underrated. I love it. I think it's like simple enough, but it's really cool in the same just it's like it's cool in its simplicity. But 
he almost gets forgotten about because he wasn't a first round pick like Rashawn Gary. So he doesn't get that focus of, he didn't really do a whole lot in his first season. He's not as vocal as Zadarius Smith was. He doesn't have the different celebration every week. He doesn't have the t-shirt saying he was snubbed, all that kind of stuff. He just was kind of there and productive, which that's not a bad thing by any stretch. You love the guys that are there and productive, but just tell me, you said during the off season, I believe it was an article for Packer report that you think that Preston Smith not only was great last year, you think he could be even better this year. What makes you think that? Um, I just, for one, it's, he was in a new system last year too. And I know Zadarius was as well, but he switched teams over from uh, the Washington football team. I had to catch myself. I'm not used to saying that yet, but uh, came over from there and he's, I don't know. He's, he's not as versatile. There's no denying like he's not as versatile as Zadarius Smith and probably how they're going to use Rashawn Gary, but he's a strong, he sets the edge really well. And I don't know, he had 12 sacks last year, um, 11 tackle for losses. He even said this year that him and Zadarius are going to break records together. Like they're going to amp it up. And I just, I think he just gets forgotten about because he doesn't have that uh, outspoken personality to the media. Like Zadarius does. Like when you hear Zadarius talk, like, it's hard not to love him. But even Zadarius said that Preston's more of a locker room guy. Like he's a goofball in the locker room. So he's more of a locker room leader rather than spoken out to everybody else. But I don't know. I just think his work ethic, he can't, it seems like he came in a little bit heavier, uh, not in a bad way, but he beefed up a little bit um, coming into the season. And I don't know. I just think, I think it's his time to kind of break out. He hasn't against the Vikings last year. You only had a half a sack. I think he's, I think this is a year he's going to have his, uh, his breakout game against the Vikings like Z did last season. So there you have the half a sec. He also had an interception, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, broken up by Darnell Savage uh, right into his arms. So something about him that is kind of a an interesting part of this pet and defense that I think that he could use maybe a little bit more this season is Preston Smith's ability to drop into coverage. And it is interesting that you bring that up because it's something that if you think about it, when we talk about the Smith brothers, it is Zadarius and Preston Smith. It's kind of like Batman and Robin kind of sort of thing. He's always mentioned second, which that doesn't mean he's a second tier player. That's just how that's always worked. And yeah, Z is a better player than Preston Smith is, but that doesn't make him a bad player. And I think that that's going to be a fun thing to watch this year is if he can kind of come into his own even more and potentially bring to this pack. Again, I know Andy Herman took some heat for this, but he said that he thought the Packers best foursome of pass rushers. So the Smith brothers, Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary could approach the levels of the 2011 New York giants. Now that's a lofty comparison. Those 2011 giants carried Eli Manning, one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen play to a super bowl championship over Tom Brady and the new England Patriots. So, that's a lofty comparison. This pass rush wouldn't have to carry Aaron Rodgers nearly as much as that pass rush had to, but that would be a big deal if they can get even close to that level. And that would be a big deal for that. If they're able to do that, however, one of the big reasons why would be because of their captain and Maggie Zadarius Smith coming in this year, something that Peter Bukowski brought up the other day was a reason that this Packers pass rush could get better is because these guys are still young and we're almost acting like 27 year old players can't get better. And they could, what are some things that Zadarius Smith could even be better at this season? I mean, it's really hard to look at his numbers and think that, you know, maybe he'll exceed certain categories because, you know, it's kind of like the cat's out of the bag at this point. Like we know what his potential is. And I think that he really flew under the radar in 2019 and it was really just unexpected um, the kind of production that he was able to have for the defense. Um, so even if his numbers statistically aren't the same, I think that he will still generate just as much, if not more pressure. And I think that he's going to kind of draw attention 
away from the other players. So I think that that's more of the benefit that he'll have the same way that Jimmy kind of talked about Preston being underrated. You know, I think that that is an advantage for him because the double teams now go to Zadarius and to Kenny Clark, and then that frees up Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith. But I think what Zadarius will be able to do this season, you know, especially with the development that Rashawn has had kind of in training camp, it's just, he'll be able to line up everywhere. They kind of did it towards the end of last season where he would like rush over center, rush off the edge, drop into coverage a little bit. And I think that that more of that is what he'll be bringing to the defense, especially kind of early on um, with, you know, Montrevious Adams being banged up, maybe that kind of unsure what's going on with the defensive line um, while we're waiting for Kingsley to kind of take that jump. I, I think that he'll be moved around quite a bit. And I think that that versatility, even though we saw it a little bit in 2019, is what we'll see a lot more of uh, from him, especially early in 2020. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think that Rover, I remember after the Washington game, last year, I noticed it a little bit against the giants. And then last year, really after the Washington game, just noticing the way they were moving around. I used to call it the claymaker role and it was kind of the way Dom Capers used to use clay Matthews, but Mike Pettin really did it with Zedarius Smith towards the end of the year last year. And I love it. Let him kind of pick his gap and just cause havoc. I really think if, if Rashawn Gary can be what they said he was during camp. And really, I know, I mean, I know we've talked about this on various platforms, but if the Packers had a camp MVP on the defensive side of the ball, it was Rashawn Gary based on everything we've read. If Rashawn Gary can be that and let Z roam, that brings this defense to, with all due respect to Kyler Fackrell, Kyler Fackrell is a replacement level player. Rashawn Gary's a first round pick with limitless potential. And that's kind of the position I'm going to segue into a little bit here is that Rashawn Gary is the key that unlocks this entire defense. Jacob Morley wrote a story for Packer Report after the Packers drafted him. And if you take a look at size, speed, just every threshold for everything Mike Pettin likes in his edge players, Rashawn Gary is in the top percentile of all of them. And I've never seen a, a disconnect between a fan base and an organization's opinion on a player quite like I have the Packers and Rashawn Gary. Because the Packers to a man, Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst, Mike Pettin, Especially Mike Smith. You talk, Mike Smith, I could have thought so low of Rashawn Gary. And if I listen to Mike Smith talk about him for five minutes, I'm sold. Like this guy loves Rashawn Gary and will go to bat for him any and everywhere. So I'm excited to see just the way that they use him this year. I think that it really does. It frees up Zadarius and Preston Smith to do so many different things. If they can get some stuff out of Garvin and Randy Ramsey as well. Uh, if they have to use some of the guys that they brought back to the practice squad, I know typical is one guy that a lot of people like as well, but strictly in the trenches for this game specifically, guys, I think we said it at the beginning. I wanted to break down those three individually, just because I think you're right. We said it at the beginning. Maggie said it best. Can they block those guys? Nope. Okay. <laughs> so we can move on. Let's go to the second level of the defense. Cause I think that's where if Minnesota can make some hay, it might be here. And that's because there are some questions. So the starting linebackers, if you will, at the moment are, Christian Kirksey, and probably Raven Green. And I think that's going to be quote-unquote controversial. Uh, I don't think Mike Pettin's going to change his approach very much. The Packers played dime, and this is per my friend Paul Brettel. I'm not sure where he grabbed this from, but I'm going to credit Paul, and Paul can tell you guys on Twitter, at Paul underscore Brettel, where he got it from. Uh, that the Packers played dime 53% of the time last season. I don't think that's going to change very much. Maybe a little bit here or there, but... Mike Pettin said it last year and it was after it wasn't like there were games that weren't big warning signs along the way that they got ramrodded and 
various different games in the running game, Philadelphia, LA, San Francisco a couple times. I mean, there were plenty of games where they didn't do that well against the running game. And he basically said teams are going to fly faster to Miami than they're going to then they're going to drive. So I think that's what they're going to do. I think Raven Green is going to be their linebacker. That's why I think all the hoopla about who the second linebacker was, whether it was Ty Summers or Kamal Martin or uh, Oren Burks, it's just it's not going to matter very much. I just don't think they're going to play a whole lot. I think if you saw last year, B.J. Goodson played probably 25% of snaps. I think that's about where you're going to see those guys at. That being said, guys, I do want to kind of break that down a little bit. Is Who do you think that second true linebacker is going to be? Because we'll get to the Raven Green portion of things here in just a minute. But they do need somebody who is going to beef up a little bit because they are going to play. If they play dime 53% of the time, that means there's 47% of snaps in other packages that they will play in. So, Maggie, who's going to be the other linebacker? I know you mentioned it on happy hour the other day. Of Kamal Martin's obviously out for about six to eight weeks, uh, placed on injured reserve. So who's going to be that other one that steps in there and maybe fills that void? Yeah, I mean, it's hard because we know that Christian Kirksey is going to be the every down guy. And I think that already that's an improvement um, in the middle of the defense. I'm really excited to see what he can do sideline to sideline. I think that there's a, he has a better chance of blocking tight ends and running backs. Um, but I do agree with you that if if the Vikings are going to move the ball on Sunday, it'll probably be dink and dunk in the middle of the field. Um, Dalvin Cook will have his opportunities uh, in the passing game. But yeah, I mean, I think I think we would hope that it's Oren Burks, right? Like I keep waiting. Like my gut kind of says that it's going to be Ty Summers, but I think that as like Packers fans and you know writers, whatever, we we have to hope that it's Oren Burks because he's a third round pick. So I think we're all just waiting to kind of see what he can do and live up to that, that draft potential because, you know, he's had like really unfortunate injury histories his entire career, but he was like a freak athlete and he has the sideline to sideline speed. And um, he looked really good his rookie season as a thumper before he got hurt right away. So, I mean, there's just a lot to like in his game and I want to see it on the field, but I think that's just me, you know, kind of wanting to see a draft pick live up to their draft stock. I, if I had to like put money on it, I think honestly, I'd probably say it's Ty not just a draft pick in his draft stock and a third round pick, but they traded up for him. Yeah. And that was one of those picks at the time. We all were like, Oh, they traded up in the third round. And then you were kind of like, Oh, okay. Uh, that was interesting. But yeah, Jimmy, tell me why it's Ty Summers. Cause I know that's who you're going to pick. <laughs> <laughs> well, jokes on you. I was going to pick Oren Burks, uh, but no for Ty, I think his, he's a Jimmy's friends with Ty Summers. So they're on a first name basis. I don't know. If yeah. Know me, me and Ty, like we're really tight and whatever. Don't worry about it. Um, no, I think it's, I, I think Ty can get that spot because just a much like Oren Burks, he is super athletic. Um, he ran that four five, one on the 40, which obviously 40 really doesn't mean everything or really all that much in an NFL game, but, uh, he showed in the preseason, he did miss some tackles, but even he addressed that and said he, or the last preseason, he addressed it and said like, those are uncharacteristic. I missed one, got in my own head. And as he went on, he kind of became mentally tougher. And I think if he gets an opportunity to show he's fixed that, um, fix that little hiccup that he can get in the backfield and make some plays. He's, if you look at him too, that man looks like he could probably bench press me on one side and you on the other side, Jake. That's Hey, that's I, yeah, I buy that. Thank <laughs> you for not putting me on the, the weight. I You're the bar. Of- You're holding both of us up like this. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That, yeah, that sounds about right. So I, I like the idea of Ty Summers in there potentially. Uh, obviously, Oren Burks is somebody you want to see live up to their draft status. But ultimately, yeah, like I said, I do think that's Raven Green. And 
I think that what you're going to see is last year, the Packers were really challenged. And I think the first game, a lot of times what happens is we talk about quote unquote blueprints uh, when it comes to a team losing a game. And I think the blueprint that came out after the Packers lost to the Eagles in week four was teams trying to play two tights, running the ball if they can, and being able to play with their tight ends, moving the ball down the field. San Francisco was able to do that because they have guys like a little different because Kyle Juszczyk's not a true tight end, but George Kittle is obviously, and they're able to run the ball pretty much at will against a lot of different teams like that. Uh, the Eagles obviously are able to do that. The Vikings might have that ability with guys like Kyle Rudolph is still there. And Irv Smith Jr. was a second round pick. A lot of people really liked him coming out of that draft class. I had him in the Cheesehead TV draft guide that year uh, as the fourth tight end. I had him behind actually the Packers, currently third string tight end. If you read the unofficial depth chart, that is Jay Sternberger. So that'll be interesting, but that's something that they can do. Uh, guys, I guess this is where the matchup of the game, I think, could kind of end lie. What is your confidence level, Jimmy, of guys like Christian Kirksey and Raven Green being able to slow down those tight ends? And really, this is the illusion of complexity, if you will, of Gary Kubiak's offense trying to play that too tight system, running the ball, that play action boot stuff off of it. And Irv Smith's not a baby anymore. He's somebody that could be a impact type player in his second season. Yeah, so you you mentioned before they played uh, dime with like that hybrid linebacker on the field fifty three percent of the time, and like you said, that's not going to change. But the big change, like you're saying, is that we'll have Raven Green again. Where last year we had Will Redman, who said that was the first time he ever played um, the safety linebacker position in his career. Uh, Channon Sullivan did some there, <clears throat> which again was out of his position. So we're finally going to have someone there that that's what they are supposed to, like. That's his natural position. So. Um, I think Christian Kirksey, I have all the confidence in the world. in. the big thing around him is if he stays healthy, I think he's going to show everybody that the deal we signed him to is a, a bargain deal. Uh, Raven green, Mr. Gunshow himself. Uh, I think he he's coming in hungry. He missed two seasons. He missed eight games two years ago. He missed 15 games last year. Like he's coming in hungry, ready to prove it. He's gone up against, uh, Robert Tanya a lot. And he said that he provide, or like, he's really challenging to go against because he is so dynamic in the passing game. And we've, we've heard that from other people, this camp. So hopefully that'll translate over to people like Irv Smith, who is going to be more of a passing threat. Um, and then Kyle Rudolph, I, I always have high hopes for him weirdly, mainly for fantasy reasons, but he, he just seems like he doesn't really get involved as much as like you'd expect a, a solid tight end to do. So we'll see, but I, I have confidence. Confidence in that. And then Maggie, obviously the ability not just to stop the tight ends in the passing game, but as that transitions into that running game, which the Packers were able to slow down one time, but removing Dalvin Cook from the lineup, that's obviously a big, big loss to that Vikings lineup in that second game of uh, their matchups last season. So Cook will be there this time around um, being able to stop that running game, a, a big part of that Vikings offense. What's your confidence level in that with that second level uh, of those linebackers? I absolutely love Christian Kirksey. And I, you know, I don't know if it's like my husband bias that I've seen Kirksey for so long with the Browns, but you know, he was somebody that I wanted in free agency. Uh, when he signed with the Packers, I was excited. And then um, by all accounts, I mean, Brian Gutekunst has raved about him, Matt LaFleur, Mike Patton. Um, he just seems like an ideal fit uh, given his familiarity with Mike Patton in the defense, kind of as that roamer in the middle of the field. 
Um, I think he's athletic. I think that he's really hungry. You know, he's young and he's missed uh, two seasons now or most of two seasons, you know, kind of like Jimmy said with Raven Green. So I think that you're going to see guys that are ready to make an impact. And I think not having the preseason, these guys are ready to hit. Like as weird as that sounds, you know, we talked about them maybe being rusty or maybe seeing some sloppy football the first couple weeks. And while that might be true, I think we're also going to see some really intense football because these are guys that are tired of hitting their own teammates. They're tired of going half speed and they're ready. You know, you're opening week one in enemy territory uh, against a division rival. Like it's not, the stakes aren't going to get much higher than this, even with like the fake crowd noise. So, you know, we saw that it was Kirksey and Oren Burks quite a bit, kind of stuffing runs at the line, kind of, you know, shooting gaps and, I think that's, you know, what was missing and not trying to discredit Blake Martinez because I think he played the role that he physically could play, um, you know, as an inside linebacker. But I think that the athleticism is heightened this season and we're going to see a lot more kind of flying around the field instead of chasing after a ball carrier, you know, to put it politely. Brian Gutekunst agrees. He says that he thinks there's a little more dynamic ability in the middle of the field is the phrasing he used. He didn't mention any names. He just said he feels that's something they maybe have been missing for the last couple of seasons. So Packers fans, for those of you that maybe think that Martinez wasn't as good as others think he is, Gutekunst agreed with you. Take that for what you will. <laughs> Let's move to the back end of the defense. And the first question I want to ask guys, the Vikings have Stefan Diggs is no more. They have um, shipped him to Buffalo, essentially replaced him with Justin Jefferson. Jefferson's a rookie. He was in a training camp battle, whether or not he starts, but that remains to be seen. He'll play quite a bit. Uh, but Ola B.C. Johnson right now is slated as the starter. Whether or not that matters remains to be seen. Like I said, depth charts are just what they are. Take them for what they're worth. My question that I have for you guys is, this is a year for me, and I don't know what your guys' philosophy is on this, Something I rate shutdown corners for, for example, Stefan Gilmore is an example for me as a shutdown corner because he travels. They say Julio Jones is the other team's best receiver and Stefan Gilmore travels with Julio Jones. Whereas for example, Richard Sherman, and I'm not picking on him because I don't necessarily like him. I'm just picking somebody as an example, only plays one side of the field because that's the side of the field that he plays. This is a year that I think I would like to see Jair Alexander start traveling with the opposing team's best wide receiver. And Adam Thielen is a good example for that because Thielen's skill set really is one that could potentially give Kevin King some fits anyways. And Alexander is somebody that could match up relatively well with Thielen in the passing game. And he has in the past. I'm not going to say he's owned him like some other people have based on one highlight of a, a screen pass because Thielen's had his successes as well. But Jimmy, do you think this is a year and a game really specifically where the Packers are at their best if they let 23 travel with 19. Yeah, I think he's going into his third year, and this is the year he's going to have to show, like, if he really wants to be that shutdown corner, like you said, you have to follow the best receiver. Uh, I think this is where you put him on Thielen and you let him show that he is now a shutdown corner in the NFL. Uh, I have all the confidence in him. He is. There's going to be plays that Thielen's a great route runner. There's going to be, and especially his time with Kirk Cousins, there's going to be things that happen. They're NFL players. They have immense talent. They're obviously on the field. But um, let's say he does have a good cut. Like Alexander has a speed to catch up on those little breaks that happen and close down on the receiver. So uh, I have all the confidence in Alexander, and I think it's time for him to follow one, rec or one receiver around and shut that thing down. 
Okay, guys, real quick, as we're recording, we do have the injury report that just broke. So just real quick, Randy Ramsey and Billy Turner did not participate. Raven Green, Oren Burks, Montrevious Adams, limited participation. What that means remains to be seen. Uh, Maggie, the, the question I have is on the other side, because if you assume that Thielen and Alexander, both really good players, but you think that the Packers should be able to, that should be like give and take. Alexander's a good player. Thielen's a good player. They'll probably go a little, you know, one for one on that kind of thing. They should be able to each get their plays. The other side is where you might have some concerns. My question going into this game and really into the season is thoughts on Kevin King going into a contract year and he's kind of a polarizing player. Some people love him, think he's really good. Other people, frankly, wish he was TJ Watt. I mean, that's just, that's going to follow him until he doesn't play in Green Bay anymore. That's just the reality. What are your thoughts on him? as a whole and going into this game specifically matching up with somebody like Justin Jefferson or whoever it is that lines up as the Vikings second wide receiver. I mean, it, it honestly wouldn't surprise me if Kevin King led the team in interceptions again. I mean, I don't think that 2019 was any type of fluke. Um, I think that, you know, he had a couple balls hit him in the chest and I, I think that that kind of stuck with him and, you know, they had said, like, you had five interceptions. How many should you have had? And he said five. But I think he knows that there's more out there for him, and especially in a contract year, you know, I think he's going into prove-it mode and not even necessarily for Green Bay because I think right now it's got to be hard to be a free agent in Green Bay knowing that you're in the same class as Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, Corey Lindsley. Like, you know, for him, maybe it's not an audition for Green Bay and it's just an audition for the rest of the league. So, I, I really think that he's going to have a successful season. I think that it's not a stretch to say that he matches his production from 2019 or even, um, you know, surpasses it. But yeah, I mean, I think that there's growing pains, obviously, with the Packers offense or with the Vikings offense against this Packers defense. Um, Justin Jefferson is good. You know, he was one of my favorite candidates to come to Green Bay in the first round. Um, I think that he will be a very good player in the league, but I don't think that that production will be there week one. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time, especially without the preseason to acclimate. And, you know, if it was Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen, I don't know if we would see King traveling or Jair traveling. I think they'd probably just stick with their guy, um, whichever side they were on, on the boundary. But, you know, I think Justin Jefferson is a good matchup for him size wise, because Jefferson himself is, you know, a massive receiver, but I think that that will be kind of the premier matchup. I think you kind of nailed it when you said Jair will travel with Thielen. And then I think King will kind of float on Jefferson because I like them from like a size perspective week one. The other thing that, and I don't know if the Vikings really have the personnel to necessarily exploit this, but a question, if you will, is that the Packers will be deploying a new full-time nickel cornerback. And that is Shannon Sullivan. And Maybe Josh Jackson will be, you know, figuring into that somehow if they're going to play dime and if they bump somebody else inside or something like that. But Tremont Williams is not going to be around anymore. And the Vikings, you know, the receivers, I mentioned uh, Ola B.C. Johnson earlier, and I have Tajay Sharp in here and Chad Beebe. And it's not, I mean, we're not talking about the perfect pack when it comes in terms of wide receivers here. It really is. For all the talk about the Packers wide receiving core, and yes, they do have Justin Jefferson who's a first-round pick, and I loved him. I still do. I think he's a very good prospect. This receiving core is not exactly inspiring a ton of fear into people. And like Maggie said, I think it's going to take some time for Justin Jefferson to find his footing because, and I don't even 
know if it was mentioned, but he missed some of the off season because he was on the reserve list for COVID-19. And we've seen a little bit of what that took out of Jay Sternberger as well as somebody who missed time with just the reps, just getting back into the swing of things of playing football. Yes. It's kind of like riding a bike and these guys are professionals and they've done it their whole lives. Young player, new system, complicated offense. It's a hard thing to break into. Justin Jefferson is going to be a good player at some point in his career. I just don't know if it's going to be week one. It's very rare that a rookie comes in and is Randy Moss right away. So I look forward to seeing something like that. The safety end of things, guys, Adrian Amos is rock solid. I think that we know that. This is a big year, in my opinion, for Darnell Savage. And we've talked about the ceiling of this secondary before. If Jair Alexander can become that next step, that next level player, the secondary takes a leap. If Darnell Savage becomes, and if you watch last year, it's really interesting to watch kind of the up and down nature of Savage's season. The first like three, four weeks, he's flying around the field and then he injured his ankle and then he came back, but he kind of wasn't the same player after he was injured. And then for a few weeks at the end of the season, he was again when he was the player that was able to fly around the field and make plays and use his instincts. If you really want a chance to see, take away the really bad angle against Dalvin cook. So I, I know you, I know they all count the same, but the first two games last season, Darnell Savage was very good, especially in the passing game, disrupting plays, making plays all over the field. And then towards the end of the season, he was really good there as well. This is somebody I think I loved him going into that draft. And it's very rare that the Packers pick somebody that I'm a huge fan of going into that draft class into any draft class. I should say for that matter, I have such high hopes for him going into this season and he's somebody that I really think could have a big day on Sunday just because Cousins, pressure leads to picks. Kirk Cousins isn't exactly the most mobile guy, and I think he's going to be under a lot of pressure on Sunday. So, guys, going into the season, this safety tandem by the end of the year, right now, if you just compare across the side of the ball, the Vikings have the advantage at the safety tandem. Anthony Harris is very, very good. Harrison Smith is a Hall of Fame-level player. But is it possible that the Packers could close that gap significantly? And, Maggie, we'll start with you. Between now and the end of the season, to potentially become a top five to 10 type tandem. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think five to 10 is, is fair. I wouldn't put them at like the top two just yet or anything like that, but yeah, I mean, I think that there's, there's a lot to like um, Darnell Savage, I think, you know, showed some flashes. He did lose a couple games to injury. And I think that anytime you miss, you know, starting reps, you know, that that's tough to bounce back from, but um, if I'm remembering correctly, so correct me if I'm not, he was the first uh, Packers safety to start week one, um, since Morgan Burnett. So, I mean, there was a lot of confidence in him, like right off the bat to start um, a full slate of games for the Packers. And I think he did well. I think we'll see. Um, I like him, you know, more as a free safety. I think that Mike Pettin likes his versatile guys, but to me, Adrian Amos has always been more of the strong safety. Um, and I think that that's what makes them a really nice tandem. And, you know, I, I really like Anthony Harris too. And, Harrison Smith. So the Vikings do have, um, you know, their cornerbacks are kind of a mess right now, but their, their safety group looks really good. And I think that definitely the Packers are going to be able to close the gap. But I think that, you know, we talk about a big leap from Jair in year three, but I think we can expect kind of a similar leap um, from Darnell in year two. I think that there's a lot of promise in the entirety of the, you know, the secondary for the Packers. And Jimmy Adrian Amos is definitely not better than haha Clinton Dix, right? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're also gonna release uh, Amos like uh, Dix just got released. 
I, you know, I, I don't mean to pile on. Listen, Ha Ha Clinton Dix is a great guy. I think yeah. by I think everything that we've seen, there's so many things. Whichever wherever he lands, that community is already better for having had him in it. And eventually, that joke will stop being funny. But Adrian Amos is one a really good person. It appears that the Packers community is very lucky to have him in it, and he's a really damn good player. And I uh, I know that that is one of my Christmas presents. So I very much look forward to my Adrian Amos jersey to get here before the playoffs start. So. Guys, we're at the end of our show. So what I want to know, I'm going to go around. This is the first time we've been able to do this since January of 2020. It's been eight months. It's prediction time, guys. Packers, Vikings, noon, U.S. Bank, Bird Box, Killing Stadium. There will be no fans in the stands, but there will be players. It will be Packers and Vikings, a renewal of the rivalry for the first time since week 16 last year where the Packers clinched the NFC North in front of well, probably mostly Packers fans. There'll be pumped in crowd noise, but that's not anything different from what the what the Vikings fan base typically does anyways. So, guys, who wins and why? Jimmy, let's start with you. Who wins and what's the final score? Uh, and this isn't a homer thing, but got to go Packers. Uh, I think, like you said, it on the defensive side of the ball, our defensive line completely outmatches their offensive, offensive line. Um, Kirk Cousins is going to be under pressure. Uh, me and my buddy call him baby hand cousins. He'll probably have one fumble. He always fumbles against us. Um, and I think, like you said, pressure turns to picks. And I think our defense is going to be too much for them to handle. And Rodgers seems to have this weird new charm about him. He was he referenced Aladdin in his press conference today. He said him and Matt LaFleur, hashtag friend goals. So I, I'm so pumped about this team. I'm going to go 27-17 Packers. Maggie? I hate that Jimmy and I have almost the exact same score prediction, but no, I'm, <laughs> I'm fully in agreement. I'm like trying not to be a homer. I just, you know, we went down the line and I really, really think that this is a strong way for the Packers to start the season. I'm genuinely more concerned about the Lions coming to Lambeau week two than I am about, you know, this initial matchup with the Vikings week one. Um, I think that MVS is going to impress people week one. Um, he was my, um, on game on happy hour, my, uh, prediction for first touchdown of the season we'll see if that happens but I, I think you know I'm with Jimmy I I don't know if the, these Packers are gonna hit 13 and three again but it is gonna be a fun season and I think that I'm you know more excited now that we're going into year two with all this continuity with LaFleur to see what this team looks like so my score was 28 17 Packers you don't like Mason Crosby huh you didn't want to give him a new point that's <laughs> it, all the TDs it's just too many TDs this is in honor of Nick Schmitz, our fallen host. I shouldn't say that like he's dead. He's not here anymore. <laughs> Maggie, Maggie also hates kickers like I do, I guess. Um, anyways, let's rewind back to December of 2019. The Vikings couldn't block the Packers' defensive line. They couldn't slow down the Packers' running game. The Packers turned the ball over three times in the first half, which is completely uncharacteristic of them. I ask you guys simply, what has changed in that time frame? The answer is nothing. Vikings still can't block Zadarius Smith. They can't block Preston Smith. They can't block Rashawn Gary. I'm pretty confident in that. I don't think they can block Kenny Clark. They couldn't block Kenny Clark last year. They can't block Kenny Clark now. Christian Kirksey's better than Blake Martinez. The only concern that I had, I shouldn't say the only one, the biggest concern I had going into this game was Daniel Hunter and Yannick Ngakwe just wrecking the game from the Packers offensive line standpoint. They do have a new right side of their offensive line. What that is remains to be seen. I was concerned about that. Everybody seems to think this Vikings team, the national media says this is the best team top to bottom, this Vikings team. 
I, again, I quote Owen Reese, and I ask you to show me a good team that is not good up front. The Vikings are not good on the offensive line, and they are not good right now without Daniil Hunter on the defensive line. Some of that due to some unforeseen circumstances, and that's unfortunate, but that's the rules we're playing by right now. The Vikings do not have an advantage in this matchup that is significant. Even if I concede the running game, this is the National Football League, guys. Being able to be run against like that just isn't that important. The Packers have an advantage at quarterback. They have an advantage in the passing game. They have an advantage in the pass rush. They have an advantage in the offensive line. They have the advantage in every important position in this game. Packers 31, Vikings 10. This is going to be an ass kicking. And it's going to be great. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. The Packers turned the ball over three times last year, and it was 23 to 10. The game easily could have been a blowout last year in that dump. I'm fired up. I'm ready. Let's go, guys. So that's the end of our show. I can't wait to be old takes exposed next week. When Listen, last year, I remember before that Monday night game, I picked the Vikings to win 27 to 7. So take that for what it's worth. We're out of time. Uh, if everybody wants to follow your work, Maggie, you do something like eight days of the week. So where can we find all that stuff? Uh, yeah, you can find just just follow me on Twitter. It's Maggie J. Loney. You can find all my work there. Um Google. I don't know if my students have found me yet. Yeah, but you'll, you'll find me as a teacher, two of you, Google. So there's that. All right, I'm going to go do that right now then, if that's the case. And uh, Jimmy, you stole uh, my tweet idea. The other, Actually, I don't think it was my idea, but uh, anyways. It's definitely Alex's idea. It was 100%. definitely uh, Yeah, okay. So Jimmy, where can we – we can find you all around the internet as well. Well, yeah, Where can we find I'm, you? I'm going to steal uh, Maggie Singh. You can find – just follow me on Twitter, Jimmy underscore C08. Uh <clears throat> I have stuff posted on gameonwisconsin.com uh, and then Game also wi.com. <clears throat> Sorry, WI stands for Wisconsin. Um, it does, but if you go to Game on Wisconsin, <laughs> you go to some Illinois casino. That's so weird. I hate Illinois so much. It just adds on to it. I do too. Uh, and, and then I live here. <laughs> yeah, I feel so bad for you. Also, uh, packreport.com, I'll have an article dropping there. And then. If you want to join my fourth grade virtual classroom, find me on Google Classrooms. Um, <laughs> uh, she mentioned her being a teacher. I just want to throw my plug in there. I'm not going to join your fourth grade classroom. Um, no, we're doing. You could learn some things, Jacob. You could learn some things. I uh, listen. I'm not saying that I wouldn't be appropriate for from a learning <laughs> standpoint, but I'm not going to hang out with a bunch of fourth graders. Like that's just. It, Feels like a problem. Anyways, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jacob Wester. If you can follow my website's Twitter handle at Game on Wisconsin, Game on WI. And you can find me pretty much every Sunday, uh, pre-snap, post-route, roundtable, just about anywhere on the internet, once a week at Packer Report as well, at Packer Report 66. Google isn't a bad spot either. And then you can find all of us here every Thursday. We all like the Packers to win this Sunday. Packers Vikings, 12 o'clock U.S. Bank Stadium. Thank you guys for listening. We finally made it. Football's here. Stay safe. Enjoy the game Sunday. Let's crack open a beer and watch the Packers beat up on the Vikings. Thanks for listening, everybody. Go Pack, go. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, 
Access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.